Welcome to the Mass Bar B podcast, the official podcast for the Massachusetts Bar Association. Today, another episode in the podcast series, How Did I Get Here? Discussing the path from new lawyer to partner through in-depth interviews with lawyers at law firms, solo practitioners, in-house counsel, and government employees about their unique path to a partner-level position. Your host for How Did I Get Here is attorney Mike Malloy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of How Did I Get Here for the Mass Bar Association's Mass Bar Beat. My name is Mike Malloy. I'm the managing member of Marcotte Law Firm in Lowell. Thrilled to be joined by my guest today, Dave Greco. Dave has just announced that he's been appointed as the Chief Compliance Officer of the Executive Office of Health and Human Services of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It's a long title. I'm, I'm going to leave it to him to explain what it means. He's a 2004 graduate of University of Vermont. Uh, then he went to law school at uh, the University of Connecticut, where I met him. We had the pleasure of uh, studying together. Uh, both graduated in 2010. And uh, with that, hey, Dave, thanks for being here. Hey, Mike. Good to be here. Hi, everyone. So uh, why don't you start off by telling us about the new role and, and what, you, what you'll be doing? Yeah, so... For the past, let's see, about four years now, I have been the director of program integrity for MassHealth, which is one of the 13 agencies for the Executive Office of Health and Human Services. This That's actually a new role, the Chief Compliance Officer position, which I'll, um, I'm transitioning into at present, is a new position to really oversee the compliance programs of the 13 agencies, um, which is quite similar to the work I've been doing at MassHealth. It'll just now be growing where Health and Human Services, I'll, I'll refer to them as EHS, so I, I'll spare you the long title, um, but we're really trying to build a comprehensive compliance program for the first time in a long time to proactively ensure that we have the appropriate controls in place to guard against fraud, waste, and abuse and ensure the appropriate expenditure of taxpayer funds. That all sounds really fun and, and attractive, <laughs> right? There is a lot of fun in between the lines, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, the exciting uh, world of being a lawyer in any, in any field. You didn't go straight into government from uh, law school, so I want to kind of take, back, take you back to that. And, and so your first thing you did after graduating was you were a clerk on the Rhode Island Supreme Court, um, which is a pretty big deal. Why don't you, uh, can you talk a little bit about that experience and how it affected your career path? Sure, happy to. Um, highly recommend that that track after law school if, if folks have the opportunity to clerk, it really in any court. It gives you the opportunity to spend every day in a courtroom, see how lawyers are, are actually behaving and working and interacting with judges. You learn judges' preferences. You learn how judges are thinking behind the scenes, what matters to them, what doesn't. Um, particularly, but not only, not, not exclusively, but particularly if you're planning on going into litigation, it really helps give you insight into the mind of a judge and helps prepare you to be a better litigator. It, we had the amazing opportunity to work on some high-profile cases and, and work on the opinions behind the scenes with the judges and, and really learn from, from some extraordinary folks. I, I didn't clerk for a after law school, I clerked in the Superior Court for a summer. You know, I think the big takeaway is the judges knew who the good lawyers were and they knew who the bad lawyers were. And I remember they have, I forget what the opinion was, but they asked me to write an opinion. And, and I was like, well, you know, he actually screwed this up. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's sloppy work and that's what they do. And you learn what not to do at the same time as what it, to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also your writing skills, right? Like judges are, are humans and judges want you to make their job easy. When that translates into writing a brief or a memo, you want to get to the point. Don't hide the ball, right? Tell them right up front what they need to know and follow their cues in the courtroom. Don't beat down a, a, a door that they don't want to go down. You, you learn that very quickly, and, and I found those skills to be very handy. Right. When the judge asks you a question, you should probably answer it. Yeah, good advice. <laughs> 
So you did that for a year, and then you kind of got into civil litigation, doing defense work, and how how'd you make that transition? Yeah, so I was actually, in, in law school, I was primarily focused on administrative law in the environmental law space and, and the health law space, and was actually focused on trying to get a job working for the feds at one of the federal agencies. We graduated law school, as you know, in the midst of the Great Recession, and jobs had just dried up. I was really, I, was, I had to be an opportunist at that point in time, like a lot of us, and, and see what was available. So I knew where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in Boston, and I was looking for basically any job in, in a field that remotely interests me. And I had the opportunity to um, interview at a, a firm that represented healthcare providers in and around Boston. Turns out that it was a litigation position, which I honestly never thought I was going to go into litigation, but I'm glad I did. I, I landed uh, at a small to mid-sized firm in Boston um, where I worked for my first three years as a litigator and had, had a pretty good experience there. What were those first three years like? Are you, obviously it's not something you love or else you would have stuck with it, but tell me a little bit about that. You know, one of the things when you're in law school and working with career services department, it can feel at a lot of places like they're trying to direct you towards big law, right? Uh, a lot of the resources and, and, and opportunities are focused on breaking into big law. That's not the right path for, for everyone. What I found at the, the small to mid-sized firm was I had direct access constantly to the senior partners. I was conducting my own depositions from day one. I was arguing motions from day one. I was trying cases by or, or second chairing cases by year three or four. You really get great experience and learn how to practice your craft at those small to mid-sized firms. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said of, you know, you're not working on a case that's worth a half a billion dollars. But then again, because it's not worth a half a billion dollars, there's enough leeway to let somebody who's, who has been doing it for 30 years give it a shot. Exactly. And it still might be a several million dollar case, right? Which many of these were. So I, I was there for a while and I sort of appreciated the experience, but understood that five years down the road or maybe 10 years down the road, I didn't want to be a litigator or even a partner in a private firm for that matter. I was interested in getting back to my roots, which, which were, was more policy and operations oriented work. And state government was one option that, that I had my eye on for a while. Going back to, you said something about career services, trying to shuffle everybody into big life, you know, it's, it's probably the same now, although it was more pronounced then. If it wasn't big law, then it seems like they didn't have, they didn't know what to do. When we were graduating, the big law just wasn't hiring. And so then I found, I found career services like, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's exactly right. And there's so much out there. It's hard to know where to start as, as a young aspiring attorney when there's no obvious path in front of you. And, and I kind of, like I said, I, I had to be opportunistic. So I, I, I networked. I looked at what opportunities were out there. I stayed in touch with my friends and my colleagues from law school. So I ended up jumping around a couple of law firms, some by circumstances beyond my control when, when that first firm actually dissolved. I had different experiences at different firms. Um, the last firm I was at, I really enjoyed, but it was short-lived because that's when the opportunity came up that I had been looking for, and, and it was one that I didn't expect. Well, before we get into that, you, you mentioned networking. Why don't you, you know, 
that's one of the things that people talk about in law school, but you don't, I don't think you realize how important it is until you're actually out in there. So can you talk a little bit about how important networking is and how it's helped you to get to where you are? To me, networking is something you do every single day, it, and it can be a passive part of your daily work and your daily interactions. Just forming relationships is what networking means to me, and, and doing the right thing, building bridges, and, and you never know um, how you might be able to help someone down the road. I'm here today, you and I have stayed in touch, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or how someone might be able to help you down the road. And, and I think it's just really important to build and maintain those relationships, whether you're a mentor, a mentee, or, or just a colleague. There's also formal networking, which is important as well. You know, depend, different people have different interests. You can get involved in organizations and, and those can be really rewarding experiences. But I think more than anything, just the day-to-day -day interactions you have with your, your colleagues and peers is, is really important. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just taking every interaction with somebody. It's just being a good person, doing good work, and treating other people well. And if you just take those kind of three things, then I think that's really all networking is, right? That's right. You, you glossed over the fact that you jumped out around for a few firms. It seemed like you were searching for something that you hadn't been finding, and then you ended up making your, your jump into government. And tell me a little bit about that jump, because that's, that's something that not everybody's able to do. Yeah, so, so like you said, I, I was... I sort of hopped around three um, private firms doing similar work, all, all in litigation. A lot of it was in the healthcare space. I had been looking, I had been applying for a number of jobs in the public sector, both, both state and federal government. But at that point in your career, right, it's hard to know what the right opportunity is. You feel like you can start to get pigeonholed really quickly. And, and I was starting to feel stuck for the first time. So you apply for these jobs and any job that, that seems really attractive, if you're no matter what you're trying to break into, if you're trying to switch fields and get in at a relatively high level, it's really hard to break in, right? Well, so then, let me ask you, how um, many years had you been out, in, out of law school before you made the jump to government? So I clerked for one year and then I practiced law for about five plus. All right, so you're a senior associate, you know, or the equivalent, whatever you want to call it at that point. Exactly. So I'm not trying to go to another organization and start from square one. Right. Um, so when you're switching fields, you, you can feel a little bit stuck. And I was starting to feel that way. I think my strategy at the time was to continue to talk to people and look for the right opportunity. I, I wasn't ready to just settle for something and, and make a move just to make a move. I, I wanted to make sure I was moving the right direction. Coincidentally, one of our colleagues from law school actually who was working in the nonprofit sector had joined a consulting firm and ended up actually jumping from that consulting firm to state government, working for the former governor, Governor Baker's chief of staff, Steve Kadish, in a, a strategic operations role for government. And I had stayed in touch with her. We, we remained friends, had an open line of communication, and she's telling me about this amazing gig that she's got. And I said, oh, that sounds really cool. You know, keep, keep me posted. Let me know how mm -hmm. it goes. And sure enough, they, there was an opening. They were looking for someone. So I went in and interviewed, and it sounded great. I had no idea what the job really entailed. It, it sounded like something I could do to work with some very talented people, work on some government operations that was not in a legal capacity. This, this was truly like a, kind of like a pseudo consulting. I was actually, my title became senior consultant. Um, but we focused on strategic operations and helping government work better. And so what was the title of that role, if you don't mind? A uh, I was a senior consultant in strategic operations in the governor's office. I, I joined the, the gov's office. And it was, it was the kind of thing where 
I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it just felt right. It felt like a good opportunity that could only open more doors. So it, it was a bit of a bridge, and I knew that going in, but I thought, hey, like, I'm going to trust myself here. I'm going to take a chance. I like these people. This seems like a good opportunity. And, and I jumped, and I'm, I'm so glad that I did because that led to where I am now, which, which is a, a place I'm very happy. It sounds like some sort of apolitical position, even though, you know, it's a, you're in the governor's office and... Yeah, exactly. The, we, we, were, we were operations workers and embedding ourselves in various government agencies to work on super high profile projects. And, and we had direct access to the governor, to the secretaries of those agencies, got amazing experience. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but, but one thing sort of leads to another. And you've been in government for how long now? I, I think about eight. Yeah, going on eight years now. And we're, we're old. Um, Experienced. Experienced. (laughs) There you go. I like that. And so tell me a bit about what you've been doing over the past eight years. And I assume that you've been kind of doing different roles, right? Yeah. So so I was in the Gov's office um, for a little under a year. Um, I did a lot of work in health and human services with with some agencies um, working on, on some, rolling out some policies and processes. And through some of those relationships I built in that work, the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services at the time, brought me over for an interview for a new position for a, it was, it was titled the Director of Third Party Liability for Mass Health. They were building up um, a new division to focus on a whole number of things. But in, in short, it was basically ways to help state government programs work better and, and save money for the Commonwealth and, and improve services for our constituents, in this case, Medicaid beneficiaries. Um, so again, I go in an interview sounds really cool. It sounds like a great position. But I was like, wait a minute, what is third-party liability? What, what is this about? I, I, I had next to no subject matter expertise, but I had a lot of skills in my toolbox from my legal skills, from the operation skills that I had learned, strategy, policy, analytics, like all of these skills that you learn along the way that aren't necessarily thought of as traditional legal skills, you kind of build up and it just opens more and more doors. By virtue of the fact that I had this litigation experience, now combined with this operations experience from the governor's office, I was well equipped to take another leap into a director position and have an army of people working for me who knew way more than I did about the subject matter. But I was tasked with sort of figuring out how to make it all work and work better. And so I took another jump. Problem solver. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that's kind of how I think of my role is, is, is as a problem solver and, and getting people to work together to, to reach a common goal. Across the eight years I've spent in state government, I would say about 30% of my job has, has leaned on my legal skills and legal background, which I find really fun. I've, I haven't been in technically a legal role in, in government, although I work with general counsel every day and, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. But it's, it's truly like a combination of, of what I said, operations, strategy, policy, analytics, those types of things that we use in government or any big organization, really, um, consulting firm, you name it, that, that's working on building big things. And, and I, you know, when we were in law school, I didn't know that this type of work was an option for, for a lawyer. And now I look across Mass Health, Health and Human Services, a, a large not a small percentage of folks that I work with who are not in the general counsel's office have a legal background. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wish that was an area where career services, for example, focused more on, on these types of opportunities. Yeah, you go back to you know law school, you're, you learn to do issue spotting, and then you realize that issue spotting applies to a whole lot of things other than just writing a brief. Exactly. 
what kind of advice would you give to a law student or young lawyer trying to to make the leap to get into government, whether it's straight out of law school or, or from another career path that whether it's litigation or in a law firm? Yeah, be bold, be bold. Don't don't feel stuck. Don't feel pigeonholed. Talk to people, find out what opportunities are and be ready to jump when when one sort of feels right. I think, you know, government is a big is a is a big organization. Uh, a lot of these agencies are very large organizations which provide really critical services to constituents and, and, and residents of the Commonwealth. And, and it's really important work. There's a lot of great work being done in that space. It's something I, I feel really good about. And if, if that's the sort of thing you're looking for, you can find real meaning in this. But when you jump, right, it's like any other large organization. You don't necessarily need to start where you want to end. You can start in one role and then your network all of a sudden triples in size and you can sort of navigate and, and find your right landing spot. So if you are one of those folks who went to big law or, or start in a private practice and, and it just doesn't really feel right to you, you say, I, I, wanna, I, want, I, want, I have different priorities in life or, or with work, don't be afraid to make the jump because the opportunities are only going to grow. And once you get your foot in the door, the uh, door stays open. That's right. You know, I usually ask this question in the terms of people who are, you know, writing briefs all day and all that. But, you know, other than being a good lawyer, what kind of things are, are, are most important that help, that's helped you in your career to get you where you are? Being a people person is, is really invaluable. I think, I think getting to know people and building those relationships, that, that stuff matters. Think about if, if you're interviewing someone to, to hire someone. You know, someone might look be a 10 out of 10 on paper. They need to be someone that you'd want to work with. Yeah, you're going right? to you're gonna have to spend 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year with this person. Exactly. So, more. yeah, so I, I think being a, a strong communicator, being a people person, building those relationships is, is really, really important. You talked a little bit about mentors earlier. And then I think it's probably really important for you as somebody who's jumped along um, done a few different things is how or or how important has have, have mentors been in your career they've been huge I feel blessed to have been able to work with so many incredible mentors For, from day one surrounding yourself with good people just helps show you the way and and that's another bit of advice like if if you're not sure whether you're in the right place look at who's around you look at the people above you and 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 ask yourself are those the kind of people you want to be surrounded by and, and be learning from when you have the opportunity to learn from the best, it only inspires you and, and challenges you. And, and I, I really encourage people to seek out good mentors in, in their job situations if, to the extent that that's possible. Um, and if it's not possible, maybe you're not directly reporting to, to someone that you think about that way, but you can find them otherwise. You can reach out to people and, and pick their brains and learn from them, be mentored in different ways. Exactly. And it's, it's not only just you know finding a mentor, it's finding mentors and taking a little bit from person a a little bit from person b and, and helping you shape yourself for sure i i still think back i mean if not daily like on a weekly basis I, I try to incorporate lessons in my daily work drawing from some of the experiences i had from some of these amazing folks that, I, that i've gotten to to work for and, and work with um and, and applying those lessons it, it makes a big difference so everybody knows being a lawyer is stressful, and I'm sure um, in your role, life has been stressful as well. What kind of things do you do to take care of yourself and make sure that you're able to perform as well as you can in the, in the workspace? Yeah, it's a great question. And different things work for different people. I think balance is really, really important. And for me, I'm the type of person who 
likes to be really well organized that helps lower my stress level really like i I spend time prioritizing my days my weeks my schedule so i know i have an idea of what i need to accomplish and and of course those priorities are always shifting and you need to be ready to adapt to those things but i make sure that i have the time i need to do the things that i need and that includes work but that also includes personal life I have a family now, you have a family, we have kids. That's a big part of, of our life. I need to make sure that I'm making the right time for my family. Uh, outside of that, you get done what you can do. I try to work hard. I try to make sure that, that I've got time outside of work for the things that I enjoy, particularly on weekends. You know, I don't mind working late on weeknights, but I don't want to have to work weekends. <laughs> yeah, as long as that means that the, uh, your spouse has to, is the one putting the kids to bed and you're off the hook for that. That, that goes into, well, what are you looking for out of your career? And, and I think there is nowhere that can be more chaotic and, and demanding and rewarding than certain positions in state government. We're setting healthcare policy for the state of Massachusetts, which in many cases dictates where the country goes nationally with, with healthcare policy. We're, we're on the front lines. Really exciting. It's really rewarding. But, you know, for the most part, I have my weekends. The weeks are crazy. The days are insane. They fly by. But I, I have the time that I, that I need to make sure that, that I'm healthy and happy. And, and I think that was something that I was looking for. So those, those are the questions that, that young aspiring attorneys should be asking themselves. What type of lifestyle do you want? It's important to understand that you can be successful and well-respected and also have a family that you get to see. Absolutely. Couldn't have said um, it better. And then you also mentioned organization. I found that whatever time I spend keeping myself organized is paid back down the road with more time to myself, you know, multiple times over. And that that, that investment of time is is really important. And it, it allows you the time to do the other things that you want to do with your life, whether it be in work or, or outside of work. Figure out how to be as efficient as, as, as efficient as you possibly can be. And that's just going to give you more time free. Stop the doom scrolling, right? Yeah. Just when you're working, <laughs> exactly. get your work done and then go have some free time. <laughs> also, also uh, one of the perks of uh, not being in the billable hour game uh, that uh, neither of us are in, which is nice. For sure. Yep. Yeah. I don't miss that. So I think, Dave, I've taken up too much of your time. Thanks for being here and sharing your experience with us. And best of luck in the new role. Uh, I'd like to say you, you need it, but I'm sure you're, you're going to do just fine. Appreciate it, Mike. I got a lot of help along the way and, and good luck to you. You've been listening to How Did I Get Here on the MassBar Beat Podcast, available for free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Just call 866-627-7577. That number again, 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat, produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.